I'm gonna stop this guy. Win, lose, it makes no difference. It ends tonight. This is my fight. Everyone's got one. Jerk. One rule, Jake. No fighting outside the gym. No matter what, no matter who, no matter how big the door, no fighting or you're out. Can you handle that? Yeah. You have the gym at seven. Thank you. You won't be thanking me tomorrow. Welcome to Sweet Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How is everybody doing today? I am doing awesome, guys. Can you believe it? It's finally here. We are one episode away from the Karate Kid, the big one, the 100th episode. I've been dreaming about this episode since the day I started the podcast. I was just like, I need a hundred episodes. I need 99 episodes in to get me the perfect episode so that way I could walk away from the Karate Kid episode knowing I put my heart and soul into it and knowing it was perfect just the way I wanted it but I knew I needed a lot of experience in order to do that and so behold two years later we're finally here funny enough I'll give you guys a little preview I got an email from John the mailman uh, about the 100th and one of his jokes is about we're finally here I thought you would have got here a lot sooner and he was joking which I think he was halfway serious but it's true you know um, I was doing like one a week and then you know just life happened man you know I had some death in the family and had that whole uh, co-host uh, situation that just never worked out and uh, there's just been so much changes in STL and, and such a interesting and fun ride. And I'm very proud and very happy where the show is today. And uh, episode 99 is never back down. You know, in my eyes, it was kind of the Karate Kid remake. You know, we all know the Jaden Smith uh, movie that I said I would never watch, but I did. And I actually enjoyed it. But this was the one I was always like, yeah, this is like the Karate Kid remake. Now, I've only seen it once, so this was my second time watching it. Uh, I got a few things to say that is a little bit different than how I felt the first time around, but I'm very excited to be talking this movie, uh, The Perfect Road to 100. You know, doing the Rocky series was phenomenal. Thank you, Jameson, for joining me on uh, almost every single episode. That was so much fun, and I'm excited that this is going to be, you know, the the one that leads perfectly into the Karate Kid. And uh, the 100th episode, guys, tapes on Tuesday. And today's uh, Saturday. So uh, you will be getting this episode today. I'm going to make sure I get it all edited and recorded and sent out to you. And uh, you just have a few more days to, to get your emails in. And don't forget we have that trivia contest. Just a whole bunch of stuff that, of course, at the end of the show... I'll uh, give you some reminders on, but before we roll into the review of Never Back Down, why don't we go into some movie and music news. 
Alright guys, I have some follow-up news for you in regards to movie and music news, especially music news. You know, a few episodes ago I was talking about the top 10 on iTunes and how I was hoping a certain song would be bumped down. Well, uh, since I recorded that just a few days later, uh, the particular tune I wanted uh, bumped up to number one. And of course that's changed, but we'll kind of go into that when we get to music news. But Just to kind of go back, and uh, if you remember the last episode, Rocky Balboa, Jameson and I were talking about the big weekend, Fast and Furious 6, a.k.a. Furious 6, versus The Hangover 3. Well, you know, as he said, it was very close, very neck-to-neck when it came to Fast 5 and Hangover 2. Of course, as you know, Fast and Furious 6 blew away The Hangover 3 at the box office. It was a gigantic amount of... Uh, numbers were done. I mean, as you know, I just reviewed the episode. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, Watson, for joining me in the spoiler section. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it was really cool, man. Universal had a humongous hit. I guess it was their most, it was like the biggest Memorial Day weekend. And it was just super fun. It was cool to see my, my movie, uh, Kill the Hangover 3. You know, I heard a lot of bad things about the Hangover 3. I haven't seen it, nor do I plan on seeing it, and it was just awesome to see the Fast and the Furious 6 really dominate, and what was really cool was that We Own It song. I love that song. That song's great, and I don't even like those guys that sing that song, but that song is phenomenal, and funny enough, became the number one song on iTunes, which we'll get into in the music section, but it just it was a great way to open the movie, of course, with the credit sequence, just kind of refreshing your memory what happened in the past five movies. So cool. So I'm very excited and very happy with what happened. Of course, I gave it a really high score, but like I said, I had a lot of fun. Fun Factor played in a lot of different ways. I've heard some various reviews, and most of them are average three and a half, uh, which is fine. You know, I totally dig and and understand where they're coming from because for me, I am a big fan. That big dumb fun was just something I couldn't resist. Now, Man of Steel is coming out very soon. comes out on the 14th. So I'm very pumped up for this movie, of course. Um, I'm excited. I've heard some of the reviews saying it's like the best comic book movie ever. You know, I'm going to go in this movie with my expectation set that as long as it's told well and gets me, you know, fired up, I'm going to really enjoy it. You know, I'm not going in thinking this is going to be the greatest comic book movie ever because, you know, I don't want to be let down, you know. I want the movie just to speak for itself. It's kind of like when I saw Batman Begins. I didn't have any expectations whatsoever. I just watched the movie. And that's kind of how I'm doing with Man of Steel. These TV spots look really great. I, I love the Hardy's commercial and uh, listening to Modern Myth Media, their review uh, just of all the TV spots and stuff, which is super fun. Here's one of the things I kind of predict in the movie. I don't think Clark's going to have any glasses. I think they're going to get rid of that. I think they're going to find some creative way of making Clark be able to kind of be himself in a way. I don't know. And I kind of like that. You know, I know he's supposed to have the, you know, Clark being, uh, you know, reporter and, and he's supposed to be secret identity. But you know what? People are too smart for that. You know, glasses on, glasses off, you look the same. And I think... You know, they're they're going to find a way to kind of change things up. I know there's a big thing in Superman lore that's been changed that I'm totally cool with. I'm not going to spoil it here for those of you out there. But it's a huge, huge thing when it comes to Superman. And they got rid of that. 
and I think some people are going to be really pissed about it, and I think others are going to be cool with it, and I'm one of those that are cool with it. You know, Superman is my second favorite superhero of all time. Batman's my number one, but I heard there's an Easter egg about, uh, about you know, Gotham City, so it's going to be fun, man. And of course, they say if you if you blink, you'll miss it. Now, one of the reviews I read is how they're using real world stuff to make this as realistic as possible. For example. There's a Sears during like a fight, and I guess they blow up a Sears. They kind of wanted to make this based in, uh, you know, if Superman were real and came down in 2013, what it would be like kind of thing. So I thought that was really cool. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped up about it, but I just got to get my wife to go see it. She has no desire to see this film, and I can understand why. She's been burned on a lot of Superman movies, but I'm hoping she is going to come with me. And uh, worst case scenario, I guess I'll have to go by myself, but it'll be a while. But I haven't gone to a movie by myself in like 15 years. I mean, it's been me and my wife all the time in the theater together. So, you know, because we do everything together. So the last thing I want to do is experience the, the movie event of the year without her, you know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it and we shall see how it goes. So let's talk about some other movie news real quick. We have the Transformers 4 set photos that have come out we have the redesign optimus prime and i have to admit the first time i saw it i actually thought he looked he looked tougher than what he did in the other three movies i dig the look we get bumblebee which is like a custom older version of the camaro and i think it's got to grow on me you know originally my thought is just like he was so much sleeker and just real awesome looking he just doesn't have enough yellow, but a lot of people I know are digging it. I'm really the only one that's not feeling it, but here's the thing. I think if I see uh, the car in action and, and the trailers and stuff, I think I'm going to go along with it. You know, It just really reminds me of how he was in Transformers 1, if you will. But overall, I'm looking, ex- I'm looking forward to it. Uh, some people really hate the redesigns and stuff. But we shall see how that plays out. But Optimus Prime, two thumbs up. I really dig how he looks. He just looks so much tougher. So, of course, it's going to be another dumb movie. But I don't know, man. I, I'm just having high expectations for this one, thinking that maybe people are going to love it just as much as they do the first movie. Now, there is something I'm a little bit confused about. And there was a set picture of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as you know, Michael Bay. Uh, producing this thing and I saw Whoopi Goldberg what is up with that as you know Megan Fox is April O'Neil but I saw a set picture of Whoopi Goldberg on the set what is up with that why is Whoopi Goldberg in a Ninja Turtles film so I'm kind of curious on what's the deal with that but um, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out and see what the deal is there is a really cool rumor going around which is almost finalized we have Wesley Snipes Mila Jolovich and Nicolas Cage hopefully attached and Jackie Chan attached to star in Expendables 3. Who am I excited for? Wesley Snipes because I want to see Demolition Man 2. You know, I get to see Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone back. As Jameson said, it'd be cool to get Carl Weathers back. I dig Mila Jolovich. I mean, she's great in Resident Evil films. I think she'll be awesome in Expendables 3. Jackie Chan I have no problem with. Nicholas Cage, though, that's the one I'm not excited about. I mean, Nicholas Cage for me was one of those guys that I was, I really enjoyed his movies back in the day. I really just, anything he put out, I had to see. 
And as time has gone on, I've become more and more not liking the guy and don't like his movies and really see the over-the-top nature of this guy and just not feeling him. So I am not excited one bit if he is cast. I'm hoping that he's the one that doesn't make it. You know, that Wesley and Jackie and Mila make the cut and Nicholas doesn't. We shall see how that goes. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about was After Earth. Now, I've uh, been hearing a lot of different things. You know, this is the, the big movie that came out. And I haven't heard anything good about it. And I really don't have any interest in it. Of course, I'm a humongous Will Smith fan. You know, I think pretty much anything he's ever made, I haven't not liked. But this is one of those movies that I want to catch on DVD. It just, uh, I, you know, I hear the premise of it, and it's very basic. Very, very basic. And I don't know. So I'm interested to see how it does this weekend. To be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if Fast 6 actually comes out at number one again for the second week in a row. We shall see. Speaking of DVD news, what I wanted to talk about is that I finally got to see uh, The House at the End of the Street with Jennifer Lawrence. And I thought it was pretty good. You know, Jennifer Lawrence was solid. And I called the ending midway through. But overall, I thought it was a decent flick. You know, I know I'm kind of behind the the game and watching this. But I give that one a solid three stars. Now, the one that I watched that's kind of new on DVD, which I was very surprised I liked, was Texas Massacre. Now, this movie, as you know, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I'll be honest with you, is one of my least favorite horror franchises. It just isn't appealing to me but this movie what I dig is it's a direct sequel to number one and they actually show you actual footage from the first movie and the cool thing is this is the first movie in the franchise that I know of at least that takes place in current times and there's a twist in the film that I knew about already from listening to other podcasts I just I really didn't care about spoilers and I found out about it but really It wasn't a big twist because it made sense where the twist came from. But here's the thing that I liked about the film is it actually had a good story. You know, as far as gore and horror, that was pretty much toned down. I mean, of course there was some gore, but it's not no saw or no torture porn kind of thing like that. It really had a pretty good story that I was actually engaged in that even my wife was engaged in. And by the end of it, we said, I sure hope that there's a sequel. I recommend that film if you are in a horror mood. Check that one out. It's really, really good. And it's it's a one-two punch, as John the Mailman would say. You watch the original 1971 and you watch this one because it is a direct sequel. As if anything else in the universe does not exist. And it, uh, like I said, the story was just very engaging. And surprisingly, the stereotype people... They get taken out pretty fast, and you deal with the overall main story. And I was kind of shocked at that. You know, normally they drag that stuff out, but not in this movie. I mean, it pretty much, you know, doesn't... I'm not trying to spoil anything for you, but just know that they actually care enough about the story to kind of take out the stereotypes and, and continue on with the story. And then finally, I saw The Last Stand with Arnold. Now, I didn't see this in the theater. As you know, Arnold's my favorite action hero of all time. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I thought the death scenes were just very creative. And it was a lot of fun, you know. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's not the greatest movie I've ever seen. You know, it's definitely an above-average action flick. But it's not the worst Arnold movie I've ever seen. 
and I thought it was a good movie for a comeback film. And uh, Johnny Knoxville, of course, is pretty funny. So overall, I'd give uh, Texas Chainsaw uh, about three and a half, or, or Texas Massacre, and I'd give the same to uh, The Last Stand three and a half. Those are my picks. Go run out, check those ones out. I think you'll dig them. Now let's move into some quick music news. Now, I talked about on the iTunes chart how there's that pink song that I just am not feeling. You know, a lot of people love this song, and this is the one, Just Give Me a Reason, the one that has the guy from fun in it. But I was just like, you know, there's so much better songs that are on the chart that just need to kick this one off. And the one I said was Can't Hold This, uh, Macklemore and Ray Lewis, you know, it's the follow-up to Thrift Shop, you know, uh, where the ceiling can't hold us. That song is just great. And sure enough, two days later, it became the number one song. And then when Fast and Furious 6 came out, We Own It instantly jumped to number six. And then the following day was number one. So currently we have um, Blurred Lines which is a Robin Thicke track, which is really weird. I mean, I'm not used to seeing this guy in the top spot. And then number two, we have Daft Punk with Get Lucky. And then We Own It dropped from number one to number three. And then, of course, Can't Hold This is number four. Now, Come and Get It, which is Selena Gomez, which if you listen to the Rocky Balboa episode during Movie and Music News, that was the song that started off the show. I really dig that song. It's really fun. It's a great pop song. Just overall good time. And after that one is uh, Radioactive. And then we have Cruise uh, featuring Nelly, which this song is really, really funny. Now, the actual artist is uh, Florida Georgia Line, but here is why this is funny. This song, I swear when I heard it, was a country song. It has country lyrics. It's got a country vibe to it. This is one of those summertime country songs. And then you hear Nelly rapping very weird when i hear this on pop radio i hear a country song i mean of course you could say well you hear taylor swift all the time but taylor swift she does straight up country tunes and then she does her pop tunes she does like half and half she's like shania twain back in the day she did her country stuff and then she had her uh, her rock, uh, her pop stuff so anyways this song, I was like, wow, this song sounds straight up country. So this is definitely the biggest surprise on the chart. And then, of course, Give Me a Reason, dropped to number eight. Now, here's the thing. I love Pink. I've uh, I've dug her since, you know, her first album I got, but it wasn't Pink. It wasn't until her second album, uh, you know, Get the Party Started came out, where we got the real Pink. Every single that she's come out with, I've really dug. I really love. Except Raise Your Glass was one of those ones I had to listen to for a while and then I got hooked. This Give Me a Reason tune, I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. There's just something about it I can't put my finger on. It just, ah, I mean, uh, Try is such a better tune than this song. So I don't know what the mass appeal is on this song, but it is what it is. And then, of course, Mirrors. Is number 10 so in regards to the top 10 here's the tunes I highly recommend if you listen to the Fast and Furious 6 episode I played we own it uh, during right before the spoiler section so if you want to hear this song in entirety go back to that episode even if you have no desire for Fast and Furious 6 this song is super awesome it's by 2 change and uh, Wiz uh, Kef- oh, I can't even say his last name uh, but anyways, we own it. Super fun, great rap tune. And you know that underground episode I did a few weeks ago 
the uh, like top five of 2013. Yeah, all those tunes are are totally off my chart now. Ever since I did that episode, all these new tunes have come out and just totally taken all those off of my chart. So I would highly recommend that you get We Own It, which is number three on iTunes. Check out the Selena Gomez track, number five. And then, uh, of course, Mears, get that tune, which was from uh, Jameson played that one. And then, of course, if you want a good pop tune, Taylor Swift's 22 isn't too bad. So that is it for music news. And how about we go ahead and we roll into the review of Never Back Down. Around here, when the lights go down, it's 12 o'clock right about now. You know what time it is. The real action begins. Ready? For newcomer Jake Tyler. Mr. Tyler, there's this party tonight. See you there. Yeah, thanks. In this world. What do you think? Can't get much better than this. You don't get to choose your battles. But this ain't it. You ready? Get the hell out of here, man. I'm not fighting. You don't want to fight. What the hell are you doing here? Wow. This is awkward. (laughs) Now for the bad news. It's gotta end with you looking like a bitch. The only time you're happy is when you're hurting people. Wow. What are you gonna do about it? Jake, wait. Who's next? You? I'm gonna stop this guy. Ryan, he's got crazy skills. Look, man, that boxing stuff, it doesn't cut it anymore, bro. This is just some of the best mixed martial arts you'll ever see. People who come here for the wrong reasons, they never last. I'm a quick learner. Everyone up. What do I do? Learn quickly. It's not just you, Jake. Everyone has their fight. You can do what I can never do. What it comes down to, either backing out or you're getting in. All right, guys, let's talk some Never Back Down. Now, let me just say this. I did say that Never Back Down was like the quote-unquote true uh, remake of The Karate Kid. Now, the Jaden Smith one, of course, I was really reluctant to watch that one. And I did find a lot of enjoyable moments. I thought the movie had a lot of heart, and, and I actually did really enjoy it. It looks like they're not making a sequel. I mean, at first, I thought that they were going to run and do a sequel but i haven't heard anything so it looks like it was just kind of a one and done kind of thing and i think i'm cool with that now never back down the first time i watched i was just like wow this is so similar to karate kid this is just like almost a remake but with mma fighting instead of you know karate and stuff and you know i can still 
I can still go behind that. I will admit this, that the Karate Kid one with Jaden Smith has more heart than this one does. But overall, though, I really I enjoy this one over that one in a lot of different areas. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's better, though, than the remake with Jaden Smith. So I guess we'll kind of get into details as we go. But one thing I want to say right off the bat is that this movie has an awesome soundtrack. I was just like amazed at the music in this film, especially since two two of my favorite artists are in this movie, let alone on the soundtrack. is just so awesome. So, uh, and of course, I'll talk about that when we get there. So for those of you who maybe only seen this like one time, haven't seen it again, or you've never seen this film, this movie came out in 2008. We have Sean Ferris, who you're probably not really going to know. We have Amber Heard, which if you see her, you're going to know her from different things. She's she's very beautiful. She's you know I'm going to do kind of the comparison to Elizabeth Shue, and uh, we have Digimon uh, Hansu. Uh, man, this guy has such a hard name to say, but we'll get into you know where you know him from. Now this movie was released. Uh, March 14, 2008, the tagline is win or lose, everyone has their fight. Now, the movie came out as PG-13, but if you get the uh, unrated version, the extended beatdown, it uh, it's got nudity and more blood in it, which I clearly know where those scenes are at. I'm going to point out, even though I've never actually seen that particular version, I can clearly tell where they cut that stuff out. So let's go through the basic plot of the film. Now the budget was twenty million, and the box office was only forty-one million. So obviously, it's not a huge financial success. But I wouldn't go along the lines to say it's a complete failure either. But then again, I don't know advertising-wise if they lost money, whatever the case may be. So we have our main guy in the film is Jake Taylor, played by Sean Ferris. Now, the difference between Jake and Daniel is that, number one, this guy, I mean, he's like, he's a football player, so he's already big, he's got muscles, and he already knows how to fight. Daniel, he never really knew how to fight at all. This guy has way more anger issues than Daniel ever did. Uh, He's more of a cocky guy, and uh, I'll kind of go through some of the comparisons and all that other fun stuff, but this guy, Jake... Uh, he recently moved from his original place in Iowa to uh, Orlando, Florida. Now, his mother, her name is Margaret, played by Leslie Holt. Now, every time I watched her, I was like, where do I know her from? It was like driving me crazy. I just couldn't figure it out. If you guys have ever seen the movie Men at Work with Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez, she's the girl that eventually gets with Charlie Sheen and all that stuff. So, I mean, she still looks great. She still looks just like she did in Men at Work, except her hair. She has short hair in this film, and she had really big, puffy 80s hair in Men at Work. Now, um, we have uh, a younger brother. So Daniel didn't have a brother, but Jake does. So there's, uh, there's definitely a lot of differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. Now, his brother's name is Charlie. He's a really cool cat. Uh, and to support Charlie's shot at a professional tennis career, that's the biggest reason why they moved to Florida. Now, Jake was a star athlete on the football team at home, but you know, coming to a new city, just like Daniel, he's an outsider. Uh, and his reputation, though, has uh, quickly 
hit him because in this film they do a lot of internet stuff. A lot of people filming on their phones and uploading it to YouTube. Of course, they can't say YouTube. They just do it as like a generic version. So that's one of the biggest things in this film is the use of the internet. Uh, but people got people know of his reputation because the brawl that he had at the football fight in the beginning is all over the internet. And that's kind of the reputation he gets when he comes to the school. So he's trying to fit in. And he gets an invitation from uh, one of the, from a girl. Her name is uh, you know Baja Miller, played by Amber Heard. Now Amber Heard, uh, she's blonde. She's uh, very very beautiful. And the things you're gonna know her from if you've ever seen the film Drive Angry with Nicolas Cage. She was in that movie. Uh, she was also in Friday Night Lights. She was Maria in that show. Uh, you may know her in Alpha Dog. She was Alma. She was in uh, Pineapple Express. She was in uh, Zombieland. If you remember the girl in Zombieland, uh, she's the one that knocks on his door and he like gives her comfort and then she turns into a zombie and he beats the crap out of her in the bathroom. That's Amber Heard. But she looks very, very stunning in this film. Very stunning. So those two kind of hit it off. And uh, she basically invites him to this party. And at this party is our main antagonist of the film. His name is uh, Cam Gidantet, uh, I think is the way that you say it. Now, the movies you're going to know this guy from, he was uh, in The O.C., he was in Twilight, uh, he was in Easy A. Uh, he was one of the, the church guys that would pray with... Uh, who was it? Crazy Amanda. Was Amanda Bynes in that movie? I can't remember. But anyways, he was one of those. He was also in The Roommate. I guess He was the main guy in The Roommate. And then also in Priest, if you've seen that film, he was uh, the, 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 second, uh, the second in command with uh, the main guy in Priest. So that's where you're going to know this guy from. But this is really the only movie where he was a fighter in. Now, the biggest difference between this guy and Johnny, Johnny was never a douchebag. Johnny was, you know, of course he was a bully, but in his mind, you know, he was pissed off at Daniel because he stole his girlfriend. You know, I mean, essentially he leaves Daniel alone until Daniel gets stupid and goes in the bathroom and messes up his weed. And then it's all Johnny's all, you know, he's back to the way he was. We'll get that in the Karate Kid. But I mean, this guy, yes, he has a little bit of charisma, but Johnny was one of those guys that would totally beat you up but he would never like leave you for dead kind of thing of course we'll talk about that in karate kid this guy though this guy's all about he's just a complete douchebag and he's all about like uh just embarrassing you in front of everybody he's a showboat he's got to have an audience he's just that's this guy's personality now at the party ryan wants to fight jake you know to be the best you got to take out the best but jake he doesn't want to do it but unfortunately he throws his dad in his face you find out that jake's dad died uh, it was a drunk driving accident he was the passenger and he let his dad drive he never said no and his dad died. He throws that in his face and then that basically gets him to fight. Now Jake knows how to fight. But he ain't no Ryan when it comes to fighting. And that's when chaos ensues at this party. Now there's this guy that was introduced a little bit earlier in the film. His name is Max. He's kind of the guy behind the camera. When Jake first finds him he's fighting. And 
he tries to break it up, but he's like, no, man, leave it alone. And it's, it's because he wanted to be a fight. And that's how they really first meet. Number one, Jake meets Max during this fight. And that's when he also meets Ryan. But after he gets his uh, rear end beat up and he finds out that, uh, you know, Baja is actually, um, you know, Amber Heard, she's actually Ryan's girlfriend and she really didn't want a part of it. She thought it was just going to be a sparring thing, not that he was going to whoop his ass all over town. So, of course, he goes up to her, gives her a kiss and he's like, awkward. So that's where really the douchebag starts to, to kick in. So Max... Yeah, he becomes, you know, really good friends with Jake afterwards and introduces him uh, and tells him about the sport of MMA, also known as mixed martial arts. So he uh, takes him to meet his mentor, which is uh, John Roca, played by Jamon, uh, Digimon Hansu. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. This guy, uh, if you if you guys remember the movie Tomb Raider, he was in the very first one. Uh, sorry, Cradle of Life. He's a number two. Uh, he's Kosa in that film. That's one of the last movies that I remember watching him in. But he's also in Blood Diamond. Uh, he's in, uh, man, he's in Soul Food, Gladiator. He was in ER, Deep Rising. This guy, just kind of look up his name. You'll see his face and you'll instantly be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. So it's immediately apparent to Jake that MMA is not street fighting, but rather it's an art form, and he wants to learn. Of course, his intention is to basically take on uh, Ryan and just do some payback, if you will. Now, uh, Mr. Roca does agree that uh, you know he'll take Jake in as a pupil, but there's one rule, one condition, and that Jake is to refrain from fighting outside the gym and if you do, you're kicked out. So, of course, Jake agrees to it because he wants to get the training. Now, as uh, his training basically starts, we have Baja who attempts to uh, apologize to Jake. Now, of course, as she's uh, trying to apologize, he's not being sympathetic with her, refuses to forgive her. So Baja then confronts Ryan about the fight with Jake and she attempts to end the relationship, you know, and of course he's a jerk about it. And she's like, well, you just made things so much easier for me. So Ryan begins to create a scene before the entire school, but Jake steps in to defend Baja and Ryan insults him again, you know, about his father and leaves. But Jake luckily just lets it go and he goes back to his training. But as he uh, goes back to train, He's got a lot of anger, so he starts to kind of take it out on everybody. But uh, Roca asks Jake to leave and, you know, go and cool off. So after he and Max, they leave the gym. Jake gets into a brawl with a group of guys in a Hummer and takes it out on these guys. And, of course, you know, we have Max who is filming the whole thing. So the video, of course, circulates around the school and, uh, you know, it kind of raises Jake's social status, if you will. And, of course, this aggravates Ryan in the process. And Ryan then proceeds to challenge Jake to compete in what they call uh, a beatdown. Essentially what that is, it's this underground fighting tournament for which Ryan is the he's the reigning king he's the champion of course just like johnny he's the you know all valley under 18 you know <laughs> champion but uh after having been banished from the gym because roca finds out about the fight jake begs for forgiveness saying that his anger 
you know, is the reason behind everything he's been doing. But every time he trains, that anger goes away. And uh, Roku agrees to allow Jake to come back and, and train him in the gym, but he's not going to take it easy on him anymore. So he puts him through the ringer, and we get a really fun training montage. It's pretty cool. And you know, he then prepares to compete in the beatdown. Now Jake does apologize to Baja for you know not listening when she first apologized, and they begin to uh, start their relationship. Now, while Jake is training with uh, Roca, Jake inquires that, you know, I noticed you basically live here in the gym. What's the deal? And what you find out is, is that he is from Brazil, but he was kind of exiled, if you will, because um, his father believes that he was the reason for his favorite son, which his name was Joseph, was killed. And his father disowned him. Basically, he was this—he was this great fighter, and there was this brawl, and the guy came back and shot him in the head. And his father said, "Both of my sons died that night." So he—he uh, he basically took off and uh, came to America. So as Baja and Jake are, are hanging out, you know, Jake realizes that he doesn't need to fight in in the beatdown. So uh, Ryan invites Max to hang out his house because he's pissed off that he's not going to be at the beatdown. And that's when he begins to spar with Max is kind of what you think. But he instead brutally assaults him, beats the crap out of him, leaving him with stitches and just tons of injuries. And they leave him at Jake's door and Jake and Baja take Max to the hospital. And that's where Jake decides that he's going to fight. Now, now we actually have, of course, Baja is pleading for him not to fight. But he's like, you know, doing nothing has the consequences. So uh, before he goes to the tournament, he has, you know, an argument with Roca about his decision to fight. And he's just like, you know, I'm not doing this for revenge. I'm doing this because we all have a fight. And he tells him about how he needs to go back and make things right with his father and how it ends tonight. You know, win or lose, it ends tonight. That's it. You know, you never back down. And, you know, eventually Roka comes around and just says, remember, you control the outcome of the fight. So Jake arrives at the tournament where it's about to begin. And uh, after a mix-up where Jake and Ryan are supposed to fight in the first round, uh, that's where you proceed to make it through each of the fight. And then you get the training montage like in Karate Kid. You get You're the Best Around. Well, this time we get Toby Max the slam. When I first saw this, I was like, no way. Are you serious? You're playing some the slam during this? It was awesome. It's a perfect fight song too. So... Uh, Jake makes it to the semifinals in spite of this uh, injury he receives, which is uh, he breaks his ribs. So Jake, you know, he's recovering after the match and Baja sees him and tells him that, you know, she finally understands why Jake's fighting. So he doesn't have to fight again. Now, you know, Ryan does get disqualified in the semifinal match. So Jake after finding this out, because the whole point of being here was not to win or lose, it was to take on Jake, uh, to take on Ryan. So Jake forfeits, and there's no reason to continue. So him and Baja they attempt to leave. That's when we get a good old street fight. Ryan confronts him. Now Ryan pretty much has the upper hand in the first part of the fight because he knows that Jake's ribs are broken. And one thing he has learned is that any time he's put into a hold that would cause him to tap out, there's always a way to get out of it. It's all on you. You control the outcome. So the second half of the fight, 
we have Jake coming back and almost almost passes out and loses, but he comes back and protects his ribs, and uh, he knocks out Ryan using one of the uh, combinations that he learned in training. So the next day, of course, Max, he he actually watches this in the hospital on the phone, which is really cool, but he gets released from the hospital. So uh, the cool thing is, it's kind of like at the end of The Karate Kid, you have the mutual respect of Daniel and Johnny. Uh, Jake won the respect of uh, you know Ryan, and they just kind of... They just kind of nod at each other and kind of smile and go on with their day. And you have Roca uh, closing out the gym with a ticket to Brazil. And you have Jake with uh, Baja. And and that's it. The movie kind of ends. So that is the overall you know premise of what happens in the film. So let's get into the details of the stuff that I liked and the stuff that I didn't like. All right. So the movie starts off and we see a football scene. We, we find out that Jake is, uh, I guess, a really good football player, which kind of explains why he's so built, you know, because football players, they work out and everything like that. But you uh, you find out about his dad, and you know that that's his trigger point right off the bat. And then we get the move. And the only difference here between the move that you see between here and Karate Kid is, number one, the movie starts off where they're moving. But number two, we have a brother. Uh, his little brother is uh, Charlie, and I have to say these two work really well off each other. You know, he's just like, "Do you hate me?" You know, basically saying, "I'm sorry that we moved." Do you hate me? Do you blame me? And he's like, "No, nah, man, everything's cool. You just need to make sure you become the tennis player that I know you can be." So you can tell they have a really good relationship, big brother, little brother, and in most movies or the majority of them, there's always kind of that animosity or there's always kind of that that fighting between brothers. But in this movie, they're really close, which I really dig. It's really cool. It uh, Kind of with my daughters, there's like a five-year difference between the two. And a lot of people said that could be a problem, but I actually found it very, very helpful because the young one learns so much from the old one and learns so much faster in, in things. And I don't know, just sometimes there's a certain age difference between family members that actually works out for the best. But, uh, you know, you find out about losing his dad when they find the box and you kind of get a rough idea what happened, but they kind of leave it a mystery throughout the movie, which is kind of cool. And uh, they don't really address that in Karate Kid about the dad uh, until part two. But you kind of get the idea right off the bat that he doesn't have a dad. So that's a little bit of a difference between the Karate Kid and this one is the whole father story that they have going on here. And then we have, uh, you know, the fight that Jake sees when he sees Max in the fight. And, you know, you kind of get introduced to Ryan, but not fully yet. And he's just like, wow, this is kind of cool. Now, the fighting is MMA. So I really like the fighting overall in this film. Really solid. I really dig it. And no phantom punches. None of that stuff I had to deal with in the Rocky series. These all look like legitimate blows that hit people. It looked very painful. And I really dig the fighting in this film. It's really cool. And then, of course, we get introduced to Baja. And it's a, it's a fun scene. It's where, you know, she's kind of being questioned in school on a certain topic. And uh, Jake just has the answer. And 
she kind of confronts him outside and just says, you know, hey, thanks for helping me out. And he's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have kind of looked like a, a smart guy on the first day. Like, no. And he kind of makes fun of her name about that's an interesting name. And she goes, yeah, my parents smoke too much weed, you know, that kind of thing. But she definitely has, I mean, number one, she's blonde compared to Elizabeth Shue. She is very pretty, very cute. Just like Elizabeth Shue is very cute. Amber Heard's very cute. Just kind of has that... Uh, girl next door look but one of those beautiful girls next door i really dig her uh, i think this is my favorite performance of her my second one would be the ward john carpenter's the ward which was just kind of an overall horror movie i thought she did really good in that movie and uh they just you know of course the perfect balance of sex appeal and the perfect balance of just the girl next door uh, she definitely works and they kind of make fun of them where her friends come up and just say, nice shirt, Kurt Cobain. And that, that was kind of funny. And then, uh, you know, Jake, you can tell that uh, he's he's basically a troublemaker. You just kind of get that because the mom, uh, when you get introduced to his mom and you could tell they have a very bad relationship. She's very angry with him. He's very angry with her. But they both get along with Charlie and she gives you the history about how you know, how you like it here. And she basically is given a metaphor about how he's never unpacked because they always have to move or he gets in trouble at school and so on and so forth. So unlike Daniel, Jake is a troublemaker, but it's because he has a lot of built up anger inside that controls his life. Now I do like the fist bump thing that Max does when he sees him at the table. That was kind of funny. He just throws it up there and, and Jake kind of waits a little bit and they become instant friends. And he's like, yeah, you know, I Googled you found out and people know that you're this guy, this football guy that took on this guy and just, you have a great right swing and knock this guy out. And you know, they instantly become friends and Max is a very likable character. He's a, he's a video guy. He's more of a video guy than he is a fighter. He he knows his way. I mean, he could definitely hold his own in a fight, but I mean, clearly he's not on Jake's level, let alone on Ryan's level. Now, in regards to the camera stuff, I, I dig this. You know, this is an updated feature because we're dealing with uh, phones all around where instantly, I mean, you you could be in church and, you know, and your kids could be singing in the choir and you can just pull out your cell phone. You know, it's probably not the place you want to do that, but cell phones now are in any place, any environment, they're common. And it's not somebody pulls out a phone and records. It's not in a common thing. So I like that update, if you will, of just adding that because you take one video and it gets sent to hundreds of people or thousands of people, depending how popular it is. And I kind of like that. You know, it, luckily they don't shoot this whole movie through the camera. They just do various scenes where they're showing shots through the camera of the fights and everything. But I like that angle. It's kind of cool. It's kind of updated. And uh, not a lot of fighting movies. This may be the only one that does this whole everybody takes video of fights going on and send it to their friends or upload it on the YouTube universe version in the movie. Now, this next scene is pretty awesome for me. This is the one where uh, I hear some 12 stones anthem for the underdog. When I first heard this, my mouth just dropped because, as you know, I did an underground hour special on 12 stones and how I said uh, they're my third favorite band and 
to me, they feel like the most underrated band, one of the most underrated bands out there. And the fact that in a movie I heard 12 Stones play was so cool. And this is where uh, he's just kind of walking through and he gets the invitation to go to the party from Baja. And then he continues to walk through and they're playing the rest of the song. It was just so cool, man, to hear uh, my band 12 Stones play during this. And it worked good. And one of the things they do in this is every time you hear music, they'll then show that somebody's listening to it on the radio. You know, outside of the Toby Mac song later on, The Slam. But it's kind of a cool effect that they do. Just random songs you're hearing. Most of them are coming from somebody's CD player or car stereo or whatever. And that's kind of a cool effect too. Now, I mentioned before in the beginning of the review how this is PG-13, but how there's an R-rated version. That comes from this party scene. Uh, Jake shows up at the party and you got girls inside a tub with soap all over and you got Max taping them, and you got all these girls in bikinis. You can clearly tell this is where all the nudity took place, especially that bathtub scene, and they just covered it up, shot it differently. In regards to more blood and stuff, that obviously would happen during the fights, but you could tell just by cutting some of this here, that easily cut it from an R to a PG-13, which makes sense. You don't want uh, your demographic to be lowered you know, a lot of horror movies nowadays try to make it PG-13 where they can get more people in the butts. But as we all know, with most horror films, PG-13 kind of hurts it. But for this one, for a fighting movie, we have a lot of R-rated fighting movies. And, of course, Karate Kid's PG. This is PG-13. But it makes sense because MMA is so much more hardcore and more violence. And So, yeah, I, I'm glad that they kind of cut all that out and kind of make it more of a mass appeal. Now, I mentioned about Ryan, how, you know, Ryan's a complete douchebag and how he's he's similar to Johnny, but the difference is, number one, uh, he's a lot smaller than Johnny. I mean, granted, and I never saw Johnny without a shirt on, but, you know, I've seen him in, in later films, which uh, I'm going to talk to him about if I can get, get him on that interview. But the thing is, Johnny, he just, he kind of had a charisma to him, and he just seemed like a guy who was just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Like deep down inside, he always kind of knew right from wrong, but just maybe peer pressure of being with his friends or whatever. But if you did something against him, though, he was full blown, you know, after you. Just like, you know, he kicked Daniel's ass, but he lets him go until Daniel messes up his, you know, his weed and stuff. But this guy... This guy is just like immediately he starts to take on uh, Jake because in his mind, to be the best, you have to take out the best. Now, I'm not saying and that he thinks that Jake is the best, but, you know, after seeing the video, he just kind of wants to, you know, prove his point. He needs an audience and kind of put him in his place. Now, what you do find out, though, is the reason why he acts like this is because of his father. His father is just very uh, abusive to him and that's not necessarily physical but he's just very mental and just very controlling so therefore it comes out in his character which i kind of like that aspect where you kind of get a different a different side of the villain where he's understandable so it kind of gives you that gray area if you will but overall though i mean he works everybody works you know jake works really good we have Max that works really good. We have Baja that works really good. We have Ryan that works really good. There isn't any character in this film where I'm just like, ah, they don't work for me. We just have a very small cast of people that we deal with. Charlie, the mom, 
of course, we have random people that we fight or, or in the training class, but we have our just small set of characters. And they all work very, very well. And I can't say anything bad about any of the performances in this film. And uh, one thing I do like about this party scene, though, is when he introduces Jake to, you know, basically all the fighting going on. You have the the guy on guy, the girl on girl, and his favorite, Battle of the X's, where you have the girl and the guy beating up each other. I thought that was kind of funny. It was kind of cool. Now, uh, the scene at the party... The, uh, you know, where you find out that Baja is really the girlfriend of Ryan was an interesting twist. You know, in Karate Kid, we have uh, Ali, Johnny are already broken up and Johnny just sees Daniel as being the guy trying to steal his woman away. But here it's just like, nah, sucker, I used her to reel you in. And of course she feels terrible about it. And that's a, that's a really good scene, you know, where he just gives her a kiss and just says awkward. And then he just like, you know. I'm gonna I'm just gonna tear you up. You know, that that was a really good good scene I really dig and it was just kind of kind of an interesting twist where you're expecting her to be the girl that likes him, but when you're like, No, she's the reason why you're at the party because it's just all a setup, it's like, wow, that's that's kinda crazy. The uh first fight between Jake and Ryan was a good fight. I, I dug it. Um not too bad. The camera's pretty good. There's not a lot of fast cuts. Most of it are kind of open shots where you see what's going on. There are a few times where it's like, uh, I wish I could have seen that move a little bit better. But for the most part, nine times out of ten, all the camera angles, camera shots we see work pretty well and give you the effect of how crazy these fights are and how brutal they are. That's one of the things that is done very, very well is these fights are brutal and they feel painful when you watch them. It's just like, oh, I just felt that hit or, oh, I felt that punch or or whatever the case may be. So the fights are very, very good. Now, uh, the relationship of uh, Charlie and Jake is really cool because, you know, he... You know, you could tell after Jake gets his butt taken care of and Charlie, you know, comes in his door and he's just like, wow. He's like, what happened to you? He goes, you should see the other guy. And I like how his little brother kind of takes care of him. You know, he he gets him some food and puts it in his room and he just goes and does his practice and stuff. It's like, you know, he that not only does he love his big brother, but he really looks up to his big brother and like I said, I really dig the relationship between these two. Uh, luckily, it isn't long enough to where you have to have a fight between these two. The fighting takes place between him and the mom. And I think that would have been overboard. If they would have had him uh, going at it with his mom and going at it with his brother, that would have been a little too much. And they have a perfect balance where it's just him versus his mom and him and his brother are super tight and work out well. So I I definitely dug the aspect of every scene together, especially the ones with including Baja. And then we get our trainer, you know, Mr. Raqua. And uh, this guy is really good. Uh, I mean, he's definitely not Mr. Miyagi. He's He works well. They do a good job of kind of giving you the same aspect because, you know, his thing is breathe. You know, if you don't breathe, you'll run out of wind and that's how you lose a fight. And he's just, he's more of a kind of like, a, I don't want to say he's a, more of a hardcore Mr. Miyagi, but this guy works. You know, he has the perfect lines at the perfect time, but uh, he's very active in this movie fighting wise and just with the students. Cause you know, he doesn't have just one student. Of course, as the film goes on, it's kind of him working with Jake and training him before and after his normal classes. But 
I definitely dig this guy. He works really well. Yeah, he has a lot of good scenes with Jake. There's two in particular that I really enjoy. But overall, I really enjoyed this guy. I thought he was great. And he was very believable as an MMA fighter. And he has one of the best lines. Of course, it's in the title of the film. But he's like, you know, never give up, never back down. You know, that's kind of his thing. But his breathing thing where he talks about you got to breathe. You know, every time he would punch, you could hear him breathe. And he's like, is that the Mr. Grasshopper scene uh, that you want to give me? You know, which was kind of a funny callback where the character knows he's being taught some wisdom that he needs to learn but he learns the hard way that he has to breathe in order to get the punches and the kicks that he needs to accomplish now one of the scenes I really love is when uh, Baja shows up and Charlie opens the door and he's just like wow he's just infatuated with her and he's like Charlie can you just give us a moment and he's like whatever she did you know, forgive her, you know, it was just like, let it go. And that was just funny. He has the total hot for her. And then of course, Jake, he becomes a total jerk to her. I understand that he's mad about what uh, she did, but she's pouring out her heart and stuff. And he just gives her just these snotty remarks. And she's just like, yeah, I guess that's my cue to go. It's like, man, you're blowing it, man. You have this hot girl sitting in front of you telling you how sorry she is. And you're just all like, get out of my face. You know, I just want to slap him across the head, even though, I mean, this guy could totally kill me. It just was one of those. I wish I could reach out on the TV and slap him across the head. And then we get the mystery of, uh, you know, the teacher hanging out, living in his uh, his training facility. And I like when Jake's just like, do you live here? He goes, I thought you came here to work out, you know. And I like that mystery that kind of unfolds. You know, he just wakes up and he washes his face and you know that that's where he lives. But they don't give you the full answers until you get throughout the movie. And you're like, okay, you know he lives here. This is his home. But what's the reason behind it? And there's some movies that probably wouldn't have cared and didn't give you the answer. But they do a really good job of giving you the answer. So when we get there, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I like the little setup they have in this scene and how it will eventually play out later in the film so here's the thing with mom versus jake scenes here's essentially the thing uh jake was uh you know his dad was drunk his dad said i wanted to drive he didn't tell him no even though he knew deep down his heart he should he let him drive his dad died so deep down inside his mom blames jake for what happened and they clearly tell you that when she goes later on in the film uh, to visit Baca um, and you know gives him money get, she gives him money and he's like do you blame him for what happened and she just doesn't really give you the answer and then when they make amends later on is very cool you know they're just there's this tension from the beginning of the film there's just this wall between these two and I really dig how they take the relationship. There's not a lot of scenes with them together, but the scenes that you get are very powerful. You know, there's scenes where uh, Charlie gets a black guy and she yells at Jake, how it's your fault. How's this my fault? Well, you're supposed to be the one setting the example. And he's like, isn't that supposed to be your job? And she goes, you know, you're not the only one that has to break things. And she breaks a plate across the wall and you know that she's like didn't it, you know that feels good and charlie why don't you break something he's like really and he gets to break something he's like don't you feel better he goes yeah but she goes i also have to clean this up 
And then he's like, Mom, I'm sorry. I actually got hit with the ball. I just thought if I got into a fight, it would sound cooler. And then she says to him, still think you don't need to be you know, a role model? And, and then the scene ends. It was like, damn, that's some good stuff, you know? And then uh, when at Char- later on, Charlie's at his tournament, you know, he's failing and, and Jake shows up and just says, you know, hey, I'm here for you. You know, you're supposed to be good. I want you to show up. Uh, I want you to get to Wimbledon. And she's like, well, that wasn't subtle. He goes, ah, that's not what we do. And she goes, you know, I want things to be good between us. They are. He says, no, I really want them to. And they kind of open up to each other and everything's good. And the best scene, though, with those two is at the end of the film where she comes into his room. He's about ready to go to the tournament to go fight Ryan. And he goes, I don't want to have to lie about this. And she says... I don't want you to. And at that point, you know that their relationship is finally healing and there's trust building and just the really good stuff I dig in. Of course, I love the Daniel and his mom relationship more. This one has a more drama effect to it, but I dig it. It's good stuff. Now, uh, when uh, Jake and Baja uh, are in class and they're supposed to team up, I like when the guy's like, what should we write about? And they both talk about betrayal and they just start going off on each other. I thought that was a good scene. I dug that. And then I like the uh, you know, the breakup scene where she decides she's going to go up to Ryan and break up with him. And she he gets all abusive almost, grabs her arm, and Jake wants to come to the rescue. And the cool thing is he's like, you know, you're, he starts to talk smack about his dad. And Jake uh, knows the rule. You're not supposed to fight outside of the gym. And he holds back, which is at that point showing you that he's starting to get things under control. However, to a certain point, because of course he goes to training wanting to take his anger out on everybody else. And I like how, you know, Mr. Sensei just says, you need to cool off. You know, he basically is like, let's try it your way. And he he kicks the crap out of him. He's like, see, you know, your anger is controlling you. Go outside, go home, cool off. And come back tomorrow. All right. Now the uh, the Hummer scene, you know, when he goes home and you have the guys behind him and, and Jake kicks the rear end. It's cool for him because, of course, Max is taping it. It goes viral and he kind of gets a new respect at school. Of course, it gets him kicked out uh, with, you know, at, at his training facility. But the bathroom scene is really funny because, you know, Ryan kind of corners him and just gives him one sweep to the leg, if you will. And he's like wearing sandals, but he's wearing socks. It's really weird. I I, I hate it when guys do that. But he's just still, man, he's still tough, which is weird because Jake is so much bigger than Ryan. I mean, he's like way huger. But Ryan is just so fast that it doesn't matter how big he is. I mean, you, you believe it. He sells it that he literally is this king MMA fighter, you know. But the bathroom scene is just good times where he's just like, we're going to finish this. You know, at the beatdown. Now, a funny moment, though, is where uh, Max and Jake are just hanging out at his house. And he just looks up and just says, man, is everybody that lives around here have a huge house like this? And he's like, dude, this is my guest house. You know, it's like, okay, obviously, Max is rich. Everybody's rich except this guy, Jake. Now, there's two awesome scenes, which, of course, uh, involve uh, Jake and uh you know uh roca and number one is the store scene where he goes into the store you know they they basically 
uh, him and Max are hanging outside. You know, the place is called 365. He's like, well, it's called 365 because he never leaves. He's like, he's got to leave eventually. So they're stalking, waiting for him to leave. So when he does leave, he goes to the store and he's buying food and he goes up to him and he's just like, look, man, I'm sorry about what happened. You know, I have all these anger problems. And that's when you find out what really happened to his father. And he just says, you know, because of this, I have all this anger. But when I'm training with you, I don't have that anger. And that's when he says, you know, be there tomorrow morning. And he says, thank you. And he says, you won't be thanking me tomorrow. And that's when you get all this crazy uh, fun montage scene of the training and all the uh, all the rough stuff that they're doing to him and stuff. It's really fun scene. I dug it. And then, of course, you'll get his story when you can see how good Jake is getting and they finally do a run and, and he beats him. And then he's just like, you know, what's up with your, you know, why do you live there? He goes, look, I beat you in a race. You owe me one. And that's when you get the story about him and his brother and his father and being killed. And and then he just says, okay, you know, let's go back to running. So, you know, you get his side of the story and it's it's a tragic story. Of course, just like Mr. Miyagi has a tragic story, but they handle it in a more lighter mood than they do, obviously, uh, in The Karate Kid. Now, I was talking a little bit earlier about Charlie Baja and Jake scenes. The reason why these ones are so funny is, you know, she comes over, you know, they make up, obviously, and and they're pretty much become a boyfriend and girlfriend, and and she comes into his room and puts on the gloves, and they're, they're kind of fighting, and she and him are kissing, and Charlie walks in, and like what are you doing and she goes oh we were we were wrestling and then he's like it's mom and he goes i like wrestling and then later on when they're playing this card game after jake goes to answer the door you can hear very quietly he says the baja so you want to wrestle i just love that those three are just so funny together he's just he's like man i got the best brother in the world because he has such a hot girlfriend you better watch out jake because you know Charlie, he's going to be one of those brothers that, you know, he's going to want to get with your girl when you ain't looking, man. So you got to keep tabs on your brother, man. Now, the first time I saw this movie, uh, the Max scene, you know, this is after uh, you find out the real story of why Ryan's such a douche with his dad and everything. And he gets upset that he uh, finds out Jake's not going to be fighting at the beatdown. And they go and they pick up Max. And right from right from the beginning i actually thought max was gonna you know you got the music building up you got uh, uh roca who's just like no don't go and then you just have ryan just give him that look and you go to the house and he's beating the crap out of him i was like he's dead you know and then they they drop him off at the door and you find out all this in all these injuries that he has and that's when you get towards the the climax of the film where he's made the decision where he's got to go fight and of course you get that great scene i told you about with his mom and everything but he goes uh to pick up um the car that max drives and that's when uh you know roca just says hey you know what are you doing you know if you go and do this you can never come back to the gym i gave you one chance and one chance only and that's when he's just like look 
I'm not fighting for revenge. You know, we all have a fight. And he's like, you know, your fight is to go back and talk to your father and ask for forgiveness, you know. And, and that's when he starts to cry and they just have the conversation. He goes, you know, never give up. He goes, this is it. Win, win or lose, this ends tonight. And that's when he realizes that Jake is fighting for the right reasons. As Mr. Miyagi says, you know, you have to fight for honor. You fight for a trophy karate doesn't mean anything and same thing here he's fighting for uh for respect to to stop this guy thinking that he can just beat up on anybody he wants it's a way you know fighting of course is the last resort but sometimes fighting is needed to you know knock sense into people unfortunately and then of course you have Baha who just says you know walking away and giving up are not the same thing and she's just doing everything to stop him but she's doesn't basically go to the uh, the tournament at all. But what's really cool is when you when you get to this tournament, uh, right away I was very confused because the first fight is between Ryan and Jake. And I'm like, wait a second, isn't this supposed to be a tournament where Jake's got to work his way up to fight Ryan? And that's when right before the fight starts, it's like, oh no, I'm sorry, it's uh it's not Tyler, it's, I forgot what the other name was, but it was similar. And you're like, oh, okay, he's got to fight for it. And then you get Toby Max, the slam kicks in. I'm like, man, what a song to play in a fight. I mean, number one, I never thought I would ever hear Toby Mac in a movie, let alone in a fighting movie, and it works perfect. I love this. This is great. And then he shows up on the soundtrack. So, you know, of course, there's no way, in no way does this whole... Uh, tournament or uh, montage or anything uh, kill the Karate Kid or is better in any way shape or form but it's a good comparison you know you definitely get the Karate Kid vibe here as you can see uh, there's a lot of differences between these two especially differences that I really didn't realize how different they are but they also have their similarities you know as somebody said this is the Karate Kid meets Fight Club is kind of somebody's review that I read of this. And uh, I forgot to say, the best scene of the film was the talk between, uh, you know, talking about how he needs to go fight and, and him saying, go ask for forgiveness from your dad, and he starts crying. That's the best scene, and then the store is my second favorite scene. But overall, though, this is really good. I like when he gets his ribs broke, and they kind of give you the little 3D uh, version of his ribs breaking, and every time he gets hit... They, they show you his ribs getting more hurt and stuff. And I like when Baja shows up and she basically says, now I understand why you're fighting because we're all family and there's a reason for it. To, so you don't ever have to fight again. You know, I dig that. And I love how, you know, he gets disqualified. Ryan gets disqualified because he poked the guy in the eyes. And as soon as Jake finds this out, he quits. And everybody gets you know, everybody boos him and everything like that. But he just decides to walk off. He's like, well, if I, I can't fight him, I'm not going to fight for some stupid tournament. And, of course, we get the street fight. You know, instead of the All-Valley tournament fight between Johnny and, and Daniel, we get a street fight like Rocky Five style. However, this works way better, of course. And uh, I dig it, man. You get all the people out there. And this fight... If any of the fights were a little hard to watch, it was this one because there were some some quick cuts. Not a lot, very little, but it was just, you know, dealing with the darkness and 
just various angles was a little bit hard to watch this fight but overall it was good the best fight was definitely the tournament fight that was the best this one is a pretty good brawl especially the reversal stuff that was fun and uh and then afterwards after the fight what i dig is you know he goes to school and they just their faces are all jacked up and ryan looks over at jake and jake looks at ryan and jake just kind of gives him a smile and kind of nods his head and you have ryan just kind of smile and just say yeah you know we're cool we're all good and i dig that man it's awesome you know me and jameson of course will talk about the redemption story of mr johnny lawrence and it'll be fun so overall man this movie um is really good it's a lot of fun i i'd give it a three and a half because it definitely doesn't have as much heart as you know the karate kid i mean the karate kid is all heart uh there is a lot of comparisons there is a lot of uh differences as well i would say that the remake to the karate kid the, the one with jane smith has a lot more heart than this movie does uh but this one is not as long it's short it's got some brutal fights uh, of course the karate kid remake had some brutal fights but this one you're dealing with teenagers high schoolers it's not so far-fetched that you have killer kids running around but it's just a good fun action movie with great music it's got a great soundtrack a lot of reminiscent to the karate kid all likable characters very very well done fight choreography just an overall fun movie, but doesn't have a crap load of heart. There's only really two scenes emotional-wise where you're just like, okay, emotionally that was pretty cool. Otherwise, it's just you're along for the ride. So I give it a very solid three and a half stars for Never Back Down. And it definitely leads, it's a good leeway into you know my favorite movie of all time the karate kid so that is it guys for the review so let's go ahead and uh, hear what the stl nation has to say All right, now for this episode, we only got one email. Luckily, a few of you have been sending in your emails for the 100th episode. So right off the bat, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Uh, But for this episode, we got one email and it comes from John the Music Man. Here is what he had to say. He's like, hello, STL. I just wanted to get one last email in before the great 100th episode. Well, I have not seen the movie Never Back Down, so uh, let's discuss the last review of Rocky. I did not get a chance to email in. So my favorite Rocky movie is the great number four, but my favorite quotes from the Rocky series comes from the worst movie number five. Well, uh, why don't you try knocking me down? It's just great, which of course is my favorite. Okay, I do have one thing I want to bring up, and that's with TMNT. I have heard a lot of bad press and people concerned, but come on. The first three movies uh, are not are not the best. I do really enjoy all three, and with my son getting into the Turtles, they are perfect for him. Uh, you know, number one, as you know, that was the first series I did, which was the Turtles series, and I really loved number one and two, and number three was the one that I really didn't dig. And then, of course, I love TMNT, and then uh, the Turtles Forever cartoon was pretty fun as well. Uh, but uh, getting back to Turtles, I am okay with the casting of April to Megan Fox. I am okay 
with uh, she is not as horrible as people say. I like her in Transformers. I think just like Star Wars, the prelude, the majority of the people hate it, so everyone hates it. Don't get me wrong, she is not the best actress, but for Turtles, I think she can do a good job. Okay, ducking from all the people yelling at me, I am probably alone in my thoughts, but I usually go against the grain anyway. John the Music Man. So thank you, sir, for writing in. Regards to your comments on Turtles, you know, uh, this whole Michael Bay thing, you know, number one, I'm glad this whole uh, alien thing, that that's kind of laid the rest. Megan Fox, you know, yeah, she's not the greatest actress in the world. I thought she was, uh, you know, tolerable in the Transformers movies, but we shall see how it goes. I'm really confused though about that Whoopi Goldberg thing, but I'm sure it, it'll be good. We shall find out, uh, especially when we see some trailers and stuff. And uh, I'm glad you're looking forward to it, sir. You know, I know you're definitely more forgiving of those uh, terrible actors and stuff like that. But I don't think I don't think Megan Fox is the worst actress in the whole entire world. But I don't know. I I wouldn't I wouldn't even really give her a thumbs up either. She's just you know, for Transformers, at least number one I think was her best performance. Number two was kind of like eh. But she was pretty tolerable. So that is it for emails. So uh, let's get into the music spotlight. Here comes the ready and not. Here comes the boys from the south. Here comes the ready and not. All right, so for this music spotlight, uh, normally, as you know, I kind of just pick a song that is just kind of what I'm feeling and doesn't really have to do anything with the movie I just talked about. But for this time, I am going to pick a song from the soundtrack, which is actually my favorite song from the soundtrack. This song is the reason why I watched this movie in the first place. Uh, A long time ago, um, there was this podcast called um the projection booth which had uh ty from the crossroads podcast which uh that was back in the day before jason took it over where you heard him on the star wars episode and just a real funny guy you know he was on the crow and uh him and andrew if you remember andrew back in the day they reviewed this movie but i heard this song first and as soon as i heard the song i was completely in love with it which of course you heard some of it in the intro of the show and after I heard this song, this is what made me go and watch the movie. And they don't actually play this in the movie. They play it during like the commercial breaks and stuff like that. But it's on the soundtrack. It's my favorite song. And it's from a band I don't really dig too much, Papa Roach. Uh, they're they're not bad, but I love this song. This actually, when I go on my iPod in my top 25, uh, you know, most played, this is like in my top 10. I, I just love this song. It's great. It's just, you know, me, I'm a sucker for those na-na-na-na type tunes. And, of course, this is whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's awesome. I dig it. So hopefully you will as well. Of course, this is the edited version because there's a lot of swearing in it. But it's just a great, awesome rock song. I really love it. It's awesome. So now uh, before we close out this episode, just a few reminders for you. Uh, Today is the first. And on the fourth, I'll be recording The Karate Kid with Jameson. And that's the big 100th episode. Now, you still have time to write in at SweetDelayPodcast at Yahoo.com or STLPodcast at Gmail.com. If you want to write in about the Karate Kid, if you want to write in about just overall STL, favorite moments, 
any of those things, feel free to do so. Also, there's a trivia contest going on. I got 10 questions up where all you got to do is go back to prior episodes and find your answer. And uh, there's a point system and there's also a bonus one. And then at the end, uh, whoever wins will get a pretty cool prize. I think it's. I think you guys will really enjoy it. If uh, two people have the same points in regards to, you know, we have a winner, but it's tied, whoever emailed in first will be considered the winner. So we have a few submissions right now, a lot of fun answers. So you can find that on the Sweep the Leg page. Just go to www.facebook.com slash Sweep the Leg podcast and you can find the trivia uh, contest there. Go ahead and mail that in. And I need those before uh, Tuesday. So please get that in. And then also, as a quick reminder to you, I don't know if you guys heard this before, but uh, in the month of May, I did eight STL episodes. You know, I did uh, Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I did the crisscross episode, the tribute, and then I also did Fast and Furious 6. So May was a very busy month, and I had a lot of fun. And, um, after the hundredth episode, I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm taking a month off. Uh, June is the time where I take vacation with my family and, you know, I've just been doing so much podcasting. You know, I just did two podcasts for the shadowy flight. You know, I just need a little break just to kind of recoup and, and start the, uh, the next hundred episode, uh, journey that we're going to take. And, I wanted to let you know that I uploaded two underground episodes for you. I said I wasn't going to do any until after the 100th episode, but I figured since I wasn't coming back till July, that I would go ahead and just whet your appetite in regards to any underground hour episodes because there's a few of you out there that absolutely love those. I did two. I did a regular one, the typical you know, five songs, and then we end. And then I did a top 10 to the band called Hailstorm which is a phenomenal band. I really dig them. Uh, Lizzie has a great voice and it's just such an interesting style. And uh, there's a lot of people who know who Hellstorm is and there's few of people who do not. They are an amazing rock band and uh, hopefully you dig that episode. So make sure you go and download those episodes uh, before you get the 100th episode. And uh, keep our fingers crossed in regards to Mr. William Zapka. Uh, the plan is for him, I mean, he is available to record the day we're recording. I just need to get the time set up and he's very busy and I'm hoping that his time schedule will work with our time schedule and uh, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed guys. So overall, I can't wait. The 100th episode is almost here. Now keep in mind, I'm recording that Tuesday and um, I'm going to be uh taking my time to edit. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. Uh, a lot of just, uh, just you're just totally going to dig it. I, I at least hope so. Try to make it the best 100th episode as humanly possible. You know, I, I've been leading up to this for two years, so my ideas are just rolling and I hope you really enjoy it. So overall, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to hearing from you on the 100th episode and uh, Jameson and I are going to tear that sucker apart and we're going to try to make it uh, no less than three hours. I mean, we're going to try to uh, just go all out on that episode. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy the music spotlight. Again, this is from the Never Back Down soundtrack. Get this tune. It's just awesome. So you guys take care. Have a great week. And I will catch you on the 100th. So you guys take care. 
Masuna Sal. <laughs> <laughs>